This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka Podcast Number One Introduction. Welcome, everyone, to this first Save Eureka podcast. I'm Chuck Cage, and with me here in Texas is Audra. What's up? And joining us from GWC West, which we finally came up with a name for, is Juan. Exfoliate! (laughs) Juan is doing the one voice he can. Uh, We actually, he's losing his voice today, lost his voice today completely. He's getting Mm -hmm. over a cold. And uh, he actually did an hour and change podcast already today. So he's, yeah, and I got through at least 40 minutes of that, too. Yeah, so he has a very limited... We're going to try to help Juan out here. As long as the tea stays hot in my mug, then I'm probably all right. But uh, yeah, I'll let you guys do most of the talking for this first one here. I was hoping you'd say hot in my mouth so I could make some joke. He did in the past one, and I made the joke. So now he knows. He yeah, knows I... I'm, I'm I'm getting smarter, you know. I'm working on it. <laughs> you know who you sound like, Juan. Um, you know, in Independence Day, the guy who plays um, one of the one of Jeff Goldblum's coworkers, the guy who wears like the plaid shirt and he runs oh, around. Oh, that's like, so awesome! Yeah, oh he's my like, god, they're destroying the planet. He's talking about his therapist. <laughs> what am I oh do? my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what you sound like. <laughs> that's funny. That's, so we are here to talk about Eureka. You know, we discovered, like everyone, earlier this week we got the news that Eureka was uh, going to receive six more episodes, but but it would be the final run for the show. And uh, that was followed up quickly uh, by news saying that it was, in fact, just going to be the end of the show with no six episodes. And I got so angry, I screamed and screamed and screamed and blew up my voice. <laughs> He's kidding. Uh, about the screaming That's part. That's pretty angry. You know, but the angry, yeah, well, not angry, just just sad, you know, because Eureka means a lot to us. And today, uh, we got the news that uh, maybe there would be one final episode, that they might give them one additional episode. Man, I would hope so. Yeah, because it seems like, uh, from what we can tell from the way they talked at Comic-Con and and everything else, all of season five is already in post-production. Yeah, it wouldn't be fair to cancel it and be like, oh, that last one you did, that was the last one. Well, I mean, it certainly wouldn't be the first time that that sci-fi or anyone else has done this. I mean, uh, I'm not going to jump on the hater bandwagon in sci-fi. I mean, they have to make their decisions for the reason they do, but... Well, what, 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 what were their stated reasons? Like, is this a really badly performing show, or...? Yeah, as far as I know, they haven't given any uh, any official reasons for it, which I guess is not surprising. But um, there was uh, there are a couple of Twitter accounts, like the Eureka Writers have an account, and there's like you know Amy Berg and some of those people who are on, and uh, they said something about like over the next few days, as they kind of know officially what it was, they'll let people know. But um, I'm sure it's the kind of usual thing, like you know, it's kind of funny funny to think about it as well because. They're just so far ahead in filming right now that it just seems like even even if it being canceled right now, it's just so far off that we're still going to keep getting new content for such a long time. Yeah, I mean, it, Eureka has kind of been famous for being the longest running, right? Sci-fi show. Oh, really? Show on the network. On the network? Yeah. I didn't know that. And oh, wow. yeah, well, that's well, what Battle I Star anyway. was like what four and a half or four full seasons. Plus hard, it's so hard to tell. You yeah, know? well, they had those hiatuses, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> it stretched they... over nine years, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's the thing. I don't know how they count that, right? I mean, right. it was what four seasons, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I guess, I guess my thinking is that I mean, the reasons that they would make a decision like this are the same reasons that that they always make decisions like this. They look at yeah. it and they're trying to predict the financial risk. And, and it could be that they can't sell the advertising that they need to on it. It could be that the numbers are low. It could be some combination See, well, of those. Now there's an interesting thing. You got to wonder, is it, are we past the point of no return here or can we have kind of maybe a groundswell like they did with Chuck? That's a great like kind point. Of targeting the, uh, I guess, you know, they're past filming. So there's, not going to be much inclusion in the show, but uh, some, something like the uh, subway thing 
that just the fans wind up proving to the audit to the uh, producers that oh hey look we want this show to keep going and you know maybe maybe I, I don't know are we past that point we should come up with some kind of product you know like sure. what what product would you like to see pumped in eureka you know chuck had subway eureka can have like well, the answer would be to find the Taco uh, Bueno <laughs> to find what they've what the advertisers that are already there, and then go support them. That's certainly what yeah. worked for what worked yeah. for Chuck. But you know, I I feel like what we can do, if anything, I think there is is you know bring back the focus to what is you know what what makes the episodes great. Well, you that's know? the important thing is, is let, let let's take the time to appreciate the show as it is. Yeah, I I don't know that. I'm not sure that this podcast or any of the other wonderful things that people are going to do can make a difference in this. I mean, they've said that it's over and that's the way it is. And certainly following the people on Twitter, you can tell that, that they seem pretty final about it. But uh, I know, as as does anyone who's a Firefly fan, that there's no such thing as never. And, you know, even if this doesn't work for that. Oh, Eureka movie would be sweet. I, I mean, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I hope that even if, worst case scenario, if if we don't make a difference in that, I hope that at least we can send it off with a bang, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm just a huge Eureka fan. You know, it seems like it took me a long time to come to this show. But when I did, it just really reached in and grabbed me. I feel Oh, like- yeah, me, me too. I, actually, and I kind of rediscovered it now that the new episodes are coming out. Yeah. Because I was caught up on it for so long. And then getting those new ep- the new episodes coming in, it just you know starts to remind me of all the reasons why I absolutely love the show. For me, one of the big draws was always you know kind of the the family nature of it. You know, not yeah. that it's and it's not watered down family because a lot of times family suitable show means that we've edited out anything that can have any content that might offend someone. You know, so it's kind of like the. You know, the, the, the South Park with the kids dancing around in the black suits, waving their arms for the Christmas special, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, no, this show is kind of built from the ground up from that, from that, I don't know, perspective. It's the wrong word. But, uh, yeah, it it's, it's, doesn't feel like there's anything missing. Yeah, I mean, this reminds me a lot of, of being family-oriented the way Doctor Who is family-oriented. Like, a lot of people joke about Doctor Who being a kid's show, but it's not. It's obviously not. It is, however, designed to be kid-friendly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I know what you mean. There's a difference between, like, you know, adult or, or you know, adult-targeted material that's had stuff ripped out of it to make it acceptable there's a difference between that and then stuff that is from its very creation forged to be something that wide audiences can accept and, and isn't going to, you know, be a problem for most people. Yeah. In this case, they're just telling stories that, that work well for everybody. You could, you know, you know what I actually, I, I love and appreciate the way that shows like Eureka can slip in a lot of humor that, uh, you know, kind of goes over kids heads like joe for example will say things a lot of times and then she'll be like that didn't come out right yeah. you know and and kids yeah. aren't gonna There's get plenty of that. back door access for everyone yeah. <laughs> exactly. that didn't come out right and i love it when joe does that that's the kind of stuff i mean and adults can totally appreciate that humor and if you're a kid and you you know chances are you won't get that if you if you do get it it's not the fault of the show you know yeah, exactly. I mean, like in Doctor Who, when they slip in, uh, you know, well, they they like when they slip in the fact that Jack is bisexual, you know, when when he yeah. shows up in the first one, or right. or insinuate that Shakespeare is as well. Yeah. You know, that's stuff that you don't. If it's a kids show, you don't put that in there. If it's a family show, you do, and you just push it over the head of kids so they don't really pick up on it. Yes, and I always felt like that's you know that's kind of a lost art in some ways. Um, BBC does it really well, but not everybody does. Yeah, and clearly sci-fi can too, or at least the writers on Eureka can, because I guess too, I haven't seen a show in a long time, maybe ever, that can that can can teach me to love the characters so much and then twist them around through all these plots, plot changes, where sometimes they don't do things you like, and yet I still love, I still love them, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, when yeah. Henry is 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 uh, Henry is the perfect example of that, you know. I mean, oh, Henry's arc has been like about as wide as you can get, really. And yet, I still like Henry. 
You know, I yeah, just you've, I, you've got to. I mean, at his core, he's just such a decent guy, but he's he's terribly flawed in some ways, but in very human ways. Yeah, you can kind of understand, you know. You know, I was thinking the the episode that I remember really making me feel like it was this family type of thing was uh, I, I don't remember. I think it might have been a season one episode, and it's the one where uh, Sarah. Um, something happens to her personality where it gets stripped down and it turns out to be like that, the earlier version of the house. Oh, yeah, right. It was oh, like, like that. the military grade kind of. Yeah, yeah. Is that when they all get stuck in the house? They all get stuck in the house. Isn't that yeah. called house rules? I think so, yeah. yeah. And, and they're divided into the three rooms and stuff sure. and, and they have to, um, you know, they have to like show each other that they love each other and that they can get along. And, Sarah, yeah. 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 And um, that was the one at the, the panel at Comic-Con this past time around. Um uh, Colin Ferguson actually mentioned that episode as one of the early on ones where they paid attention to fan feedback because there's actually this really funny kind of dark moment um, where the, oh, yeah, pizza, the pizza guy, guy yeah. yeah, the pizza guy who comes in and when they get a chance to escape really briefly, the door opens for just a second. The pizza guy is the only one who thinks to run out the door in that right. moment and everyone else gets trapped back inside. And the instant the pizza guy, you're like, hurrah, you know, in the instant he runs outside, he gets like vaporized by this <laughs> laser, you know, yeah. and it's really funny, but it's a little, I don't know. It's like, it's a level of dark that you usually don't see in Eureka. Right. And, and there's a reason for that. And Colin discovered. Ferguson said, yeah, there's actually a reason for that, that, that when that happened, they got a lot of fans who gave feedback to the show and said, oh man, that was, that was a little bit too much. You know, that was too far. And he's like, you know, we were all kind of taken aback that people liked the show and had connected with the characters so much that they actually had connected even with the pizza guy and felt like that kind of thing shouldn't happen. And uh, to me, that just says a lot about the show's ability to make connections and to make the audience feel like a part of it. And, and It shows you're writing your characters correctly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I definitely don't mind having a mix in my life of shows that are like that and shows that are not like that. But there's just so many that are not like that, like all of them now almost. Yeah. You know? <laughs> The, the, there's they, this so star shows, place for yeah. Eureka, you know? So many shows have become so cynical and everything's so jaded and, and just so like apocalyptic and, and, you know, frightening and in some way or another. And What's there, funny is there's that totally the show a place for apocalyptic. The show can be apocalyptic, but you're laughing the whole time. Yeah, Totally. The Earth is ah, like about the to be the world, and, <laughs> and you're laughing at <laughs> and you're laughing hilarious. at Jack's like physical comedy as he tries to save it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that in this last episode this this last week with him. Uh, uh, yeah, him running <laughs> around in the stolen bank. bank. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. That scream. He's like, ah, like a little girl. I love how excited he was that there was a bank robbery. Yes, like something normal. It's so funny. His character just brings so much. Uh, and, and it's so funny in, in talking with him like we did for GWC. And we'll have to pull some of those interviews and put them in this in this podcast as well. But, oh, yeah. Um, you know, going forward. But, you know, I, I think back, one of the things that he said that really kind of struck home to me was this last interview we did where, where he said that that everybody makes mistakes and that that what keeps you going is and obviously I'm paraphrasing but what keeps you going is knowing that you can you can move on from your mistakes you know that that if you screw up it's not terminal you know that you have to always imagine that you can you can put it behind you you can be the person you want to be that is so true that is so important you know i guess the embodiment of that theory would be fargo then right <laughs> yeah that's so I mean, funny he's grown that character's grown so much he has yeah yeah he's gone from being the the little weasley guy to you know he's still a weasley little guy but he's got a lot more uh self-confidence and uh he's kind of really grown into grown into himself yeah i mean um looking back at how fargo was in the pilot episode he was kind of weasley he was sort of a sniveling sidekick you know, to the the kind of dickish, you know. He was one, basically the same as what his assistant is now. Larry? <laughs> Larry. Yeah. Even Larry now has more personality, I think, than Fargo did. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, he was just kind of the sniveling, annoying little guy. But yeah, they they really um, they really developed his character a lot. And you know, I, it was funny. I I lie. There actually are a couple of people who I wouldn't mind seeing vaporized um, off that show, but they they're long gone. Um, <laughs> what's his name? Walter uh, Perkins or whatever. Yeah. That like the guy in the pilot, you know, Ouch. the scientist or whatever with yeah. the, you know, who like clones his wife to, that was freaky, to yeah. have the life he wanted and everything. I would not mind if that guy got vaporized. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I guess he kind of gets his anyway. <laughs> you know, the guy that I liked the, the, with the timeline change, the one I liked that they unvaporized was uh, uh, Deputy Andy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize how much I missed that guy until he showed up again. I'm like, yes! <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And it's so funny because the, the guy, they changed actors, right? I mean, and the guy who's playing Deputy Andy now is the guy from Stargate Atlantis. You remember he was the major who would lead the troops? Is that true? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I, he used major, to be the guy from Battlestar Galactica, the uh, the LSO, right? It used to be like, yeah, Major Kelly or whatever from the Pegasus and Galactica. And now it's, uh, the, and I can't remember, the Captain, I, I, I don't remember his name, but the guy in Atlantis who always would lead the, the troops. Like, you know when they had like a threat to the station and they would get like the military guys to come in and, and go and like secure it? He was the guy who led those teams. Yeah, he was like the B team for all the military stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love him in this role though because he, he he's so likable, you know. You no, know, that's funny. I didn't even think that they changed actors, but that's hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's like in uh, what was it, um, Bewitched or whatever, where they they replaced the guy who was playing the husband, <laughs> and nobody noticed. And nobody noticed, and the guy. Um, the guy they replaced, I can't remember which one was which, but one was like a full 12 inches in height difference from the other really guy. Crap. Really crap. Yeah, it was a 12 inch height difference and nobody noticed when they replaced it. <laughs> the rest Not of the crew, there. the rest of the actors had to stand on little boxes. <laughs> ever, they ever. had everyone else stand on a box. Yeah. The, old guy, the other guy's like, oh, they'll never be able to do this without me. It's, oh, <laughs> crap. <laughs> That's how important you were. Damn it. <laughs> they forgot. Nobody uh. remembers. I it's so tough because when you ask like who's your favorite character on this show, it's a tough it's a tough answer. I mean, you Man, wanna, they're they're all my favorite. I mean, that's that's the thing is that there's something to like about every single one of these characters. I guess I just sort of you know like them all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I think it's funny um, if you look at Allison's son Kevin. You know, it was it was interesting in the beginning that he. Now, I I know we talked about this uh, at some point, but I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure that they say officially that he is autistic. I, I think Allison says yeah, that. Yeah, in the first um, episode, right? And it's this really interesting thing because you don't really see uh, a character like that in a lot of mainstream shows, you know. And uh, for some reason, I guess when they change the timeline, they switch to the other Kevin. You know, like the the cool kind of normal teenage boy kevin like running around and doing his own thing but i always just it just tickles me i know it's not supposed to be funny but it just makes me laugh that they're like yeah you know that thing kind of got old we didn't really know what to do with him you know like, you know what i like though is that even after the uh, timeline change i mean before the timeline change um uh he he was really um close to uh Man, I'm spacing on. Uh, oh, like Kevin space. and Kevin and Jack, yeah, were. Yeah, they were. They were close, but in a weird way. Like, like Kevin had opened up to him, where he was never opening up to anybody. Oh, and that's then a in great the point. timeline. You realize they still have a close relationship, but the twist is that it's a normal close relationship. See that that embodies cool Eureka, because in that it's, first it's turning one. everything on its head, yeah. Yeah, and, and and yet keeping a line through it, like in the in the first one, he seemed like it. It seemed like that was kind of like a, a an almost he wasn't an important character yet, but they used him used his character to it, to give you an idea of why Jack was special, 
You know, when Jack shows up, they showed us like, you know, the uh, he finds the kid in, in the in the van by recognizing the candy and stuff. And and you, yeah. so you, you 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 get his normality. But how do you show his humanity? You know, and, and you show that by his connection, you know, his connection with Kevin. But uh, but then instead of just letting that slide later on, you know, it grows and twists into this alternate view. You know, it's it's, it's very Eureka. It's, the it's of- funny how much of that that they managed to to make work. I mean, especially with uh, going again back to the timeline changes that sure everyone's in a different position in terms of career, but in terms of interpersonal relationships, it's all still very similar. Yeah, you know, I was just telling Chuck the other night um I think Joe as head of GD security and like she has this big armory and stuff like that (laughs) is totally Joe that it's a way better job for her than just being the deputy. Um, Cause I mean, in the show, I love the show even back when she was deputy, but it just seems like, you know, when they come back into the time, I'm like, Oh crap, you know, she's, she works at GD. Now what's she going to do? And it's like, no, it's awesome. She has all this, all this power and now she has all these big like men in black style guns and oh it was the perfect solution you know because we had that series four deatomizer <laughs> <laughs> we had that tension going between her and jack where where she was kind of like uh yeah you know, early on she wanted the promotion and she was upset that she that jack filled a role that she could never fill you know yeah. and and this provides a solution to that without and lets us move on without right, really having yeah, and then they use, like, uh, Deputy Andy to facilitate the fact that you still need a deputy. And and the, the, it's it's really funny how they manage to do this shuffle, and it somehow lets each of these characters grow. And then that, por- por- you know, parlays itself into a, or, or gets parlayed into uh, the moment where uh, where Deputy Andy, like, walks out of the closet and does the walk of shame out of the house, you know? <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. you can't beat that. I mean, that's, a, that's just bonus, right? I mean... That was awesome. Only, only in Eureka. You know what? One that we haven't discussed, uh, actually, as well, is that how um, Henry coming back and having a wife fixed him. That's wow. true. That's, that's a, very true. That's really insightful, he, yeah. Remember, he's been through like three different timelines at this point. He's seen, you know, loved ones come and go and come again and hey, but um <laughs> it's it's funny how he's managed to uh he, he I'd just he, taken a drink of tea when you just said that. And he almost <laughs> exactly. spit it, like he's been through the most hardship out of everyone and it's funny that he gets back and he has this wife and he doesn't know how to deal with it and the fact of opening up to her and 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 basically her being there to help him deal with it he he seems to have kind of he he's he's healed wow that's a great way of looking at it and and so interesting because you're right, the relationship with uh, Kim and, and losing her and then having her come back kind of in a different form and losing her again. Um, yep. I mean, he he spent time in jail. You know, he he was sort of just a wreck. And, and you're right. I mean, seeing that other timeline that he never tells anybody about, he is kind of broken. And I've never seen him so happy. It's it's awesome. And and I'm so glad that his wife has accepted him for who he is. I mean, I didn't know that she would at first or how long that would take. Because, I mean, that would be really weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. they did it the right way, too. Like, it's Henry, so he's eventually going to come out, you know, and tell her. And he did. And, and you know, it, it basically he went the, the long, hard way, but the proper way, which is, you know, typical Henry, right? And... I think I, I just love how how well it worked out and how like I just thought that she started out as kind of a throwaway character and it would be like oh well when they fix the timeline she'll be gone but it's amazing how how much that relationship now means to the story as well yeah yeah you know I I really I I really like the way uh, he had to he had to. I, it's almost like therapy, you know. He had to tell her who he was, 
And in going through the process, I imagine anyway, I mean, we don't really see this on the screen, but I, I imagine that in in talking to her, he, he had to face a lot of those problems and, and, and talk about them. And it's interesting to me that that alternate timeline prior, prior to them arriving, Henry, you know, would have picked a wife that would be that would understand that sort of thing. So it yeah. makes sense that that he could talk to her about that. And 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 it's almost like, uh, you know, the alternate him found the only person that could really walk him through all of it. And uh, and it is it's it is very Henry, but it's not very Henry to necessarily go through with all that. So seeing this whole thing come together that way, it really has grown him as a character, you know? I, you know, it, it just occurred to me that the alternate timeline, Henry, the one who was married initially, could have had really bad stuff happen to him, too. And maybe it was just at a different place in his life. Totally. Totally. I love Grace, though. She's great. I mean, I, I love how I want to be like her. You know, <laughs> yeah. she's so warm. When I see her on the screen, she's so smart, but she's so, like, um, forgiving, you know, and there's like all kinds of crap that goes down and she just always, she's graceful. I mean, she's aptly named. I mean, she's a good person. Yeah. You can just tell. I like how she handles conflict. That always impresses me. You know, when she really has a problem, like early on when, you know, she knows things are, yeah. yeah, when she suspects like something's going on, she doesn't understand why Henry's acting weird. Um, and then he tells her, I mean, she, she's pretty devastated, but she handles things so She's very kind of uh, grown up and, you know, yeah, I, and, and, and I agree. selfless in a lot of things. What's your favorite Henry and Grace moment? Oh, wow. I know mine is. I'm going to have to think about that. What's yours? The the <gasps> music scene where they dance when he surprises her and he wants to surprise her with something. Yeah. Um, and he ends up choosing the uh, She Blinded Me With Science Yes, that is mine too. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, the whole place yeah. like breaks it down and they're all dead. And Fargo's up like waving his arms back and forth. With the me with yeah. science. <laughs> what a great tune. I remember that tune too. That was I a remember cool that. tune when it came out. I think I was like in kindergarten when that song came out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Juan wasn't even born. Oh, don't worry. I wasn't born. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your favorite uh, uh Sheriff Jack moment. Oh, there are so many of those. I, I really particularly liked where um, Jack, when he comes back to the timeline and he rushes off to see Zoe because he is so worried that she's gone. Oh, yeah. It's just this really powerful moment where he realizes that she's pretty much the same. She's still turned out all right and she's safe. And then he's okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's funny. My my favorite Zoe moment is in this most recent episode when she... Oh, she is awesome in this last episode. Holy crap. Yeah, she just come. you know, she comes back visiting from, from Harvard. Joe's like, go Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, there's obviously the tension with the, uh, you know, with the, the Zoe-Joe-Zane triangle going on, but she handles it so in such an adult fashion, you just, you just can't help but be proud of her. You know, I love how Zoe has grown up throughout the oh, series. It's, yeah. It's a great, great character development arc. Yeah. And the growing up seems so realistic. You see her growing up over the series in ways that are real, that they make sense, you know? And, oh, definitely. And there are actually like levels of gradation each year. She's like slightly more grown up and you know what I mean? It's not like some dr like dramatic change. You actually see it gradually. Oh yeah. I wonder how much of that has to do with uh, uh, what Colin Ferguson was saying about how, how they treat her very much like, like her own person on set. And, and he had mentioned that there were some, uh, Oh yeah. The kids. Uh, he, yeah. We had asked him about kids on the that show. She works, she works the same hours they do. And yet they didn't really take her input as much as they did, uh, the, uh, the adults on the show at the time. And they all kind of took a step back and, and, and said, look, you know, if she's working like us, you treat her like us. And right. I wonder how much of, of that, uh, that awesomeness of the character comes out of the fact that 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 there's that awesomeness on the set as well. 
Oh, that, that's got to play into it because you know you you give that type of respect and you're gonna it, it shows, it's gonna be yeah. noticed. It's gonna be appreciated, and unless you're completely dense, it's gonna rub off. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, I just, I, I was. It was funny because she came back and she'd been gone for a while, and you're like, uh oh, how's she gonna be? You know, are they? Is it just gonna be about this uh, this love triangle thing? And is that the only purpose for having her here? And very quickly, I should know better. You know, Eureka writers <laughs> yeah. aren't gonna do that. You know, uh, and, and sure enough, bang. You know, she shows up, and immediately she and Joe are are are, are taking care of business and. And uh, she's pulling her weight, and uh, and another very eureka moment was was that uh, you know that that moment where uh, where she's trying to let about to let Joe out of the cell, and she's like apologize first, and and Joe's like, what are you going to leave me in here? And she looks for a second and lets her out, you know, and yeah, this because they're good people, and you don't do that, you know, that's not yeah. how it works. You know, I had one cool thought um, when we were watching the most recent episode, and I was thinking one of the great things uh, that I love another great thing I love about this show is that it occurred to me just sort of dawned on me as we were watching it that we've got two women here one who is you know an ammunitions expert (laughs) and a security chief and the other one who is about to become a doctor right and they're going to save the town and what occurred to me was that it hadn't occurred to me that they're both women you know, like, awesome. Yeah, because I mean, that's normally, great. yeah, you see that, and you're always like, "Oh wow, that's kind of cool and unusual." And I realized that I hadn't realized it, and I was like, "That's so great," because the you know the show doesn't treat people differently that way, and you just see it happen. You're like, "Oh, cool," you know, two characters that I love. There are a lot of strong women in in Eureka, uh, and and what's funny is is they, as you point out, they are definitely not token. You know, they are. No, everybody no. is just. Everybody is just who they are, Complex. and it feels so yeah. natural for it to be that way. You have to love that. Did you see, uh, I think it was Veronica Belmont po- posted that little image on Google Plus today that was like, uh, uh, it was like women in sci-fi, and there's these pictures of all these famous women in sci-fi that you, you've seen, you know? Actors and stuff yeah, like that. Well, yeah. Just the, yeah, it was just their characters, you oh, know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you saw them, and down at the bottom, it was like, they are, you know, scientists and, and these and all these all these important people, right? And then they're like, women in primetime, and they showed, like, all these women from primetime shows, and they were all, like, wives and, and other, you know? And it was like, damn, yeah, you know? It's, it's so true. I mean, sci-fi leads the way with this, you know? Wow, yeah, what a cool! I I hadn't even thought of it like that before. Me either until I saw that. I mean, now it seems obvious. You're like, well, duh, you know. That's, but, well, that's yeah. why there are so many smart women who are geeks, you know. Maybe you know, or maybe it's the other way around. You know, <laughs> it's because <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and and certainly there are a lot of there are smart women writers on the show, you know, that yeah. are, are making that happen. I just, I mean, yeah, it's it, Eureka is a great example of it. You really get the feeling, and and it's funny too because. They do it without, I don't, I don't know, desexualizing them, you know. Right, right. Yeah, they don't. They don't take. Um, they don't take sexuality out of the picture, and they, and all the women have different levels of how they, you know, different ways of expressing how they wear that. that. Or, yeah, sure. Yeah, like Joe has a very different sexuality compared to Allison or Beverly. Right. <laughs> I can't believe I put Allison and Beverly in the same sentence. Yeah. Wait a minute. Gross. But just as women, you know. What's really funny is is that would be a fun, uh, the woman who plays Beverly would be a fun actor to talk to because in oh, so I many bet, cases, yeah. they people play these evil people. She's like and deliciously of course they're not, evil. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean. When I was a kid, I saw an interview on TV with the woman who played um, the the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard <laughs> of Oz. <laughs> oh my God, she's hilarious! You're like, I can't believe it. It well, she's not wicked or evil. It was or like West. a five minute video uh, of her talking, and for like the first three minutes, I was terrified. And then afterward, I'm like, Oh my God! Like she is so funny, <laughs> not just nice, but like, I mean, really, really just a riot you know and i was like oh my god I, I think you probably have to have that kind of attitude to consistently play a bad person you can you can you can either completely cut yourself off and just accept okay everybody hates me or you can just <laughs> have a complete sense of humor about it yeah and just just roll with it i mean 
What was it? Was it the Warehouse 13 panel, or was it was it Eureka where they were like, uh, "We have kind of a policy." I think it was Eureka, wasn't it? Where they said, "We have a policy that that no dicks." You know that they <laughs> did were. Did they say dicks or did or it they was say something else? Something like that, yeah. Or no douchebags. No douchebags. That's, that's what, what they no said. Yeah, Colin Ferguson said that. Yeah, we have a no douchebags no douche policy. policy. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. That everybody on set is just uh, is is reasonably cool and 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 into what they're doing. And you know, you really see that uh, the with the inclusion of Felicia Day and Will Wheaton. You know, being <laughs> as open as oh, they yeah. are, they are both they're both new kinds of 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 uh, celebrities. You know, they are. Uh, the joke is, ha I'm famous on the internet. But but what it means is that they really do share a lot more than other people. Uh, even the See, new, as people start to share more like them, it's just not the same. And and when they get involved and they they blog about it and they tweet about it and you hear regularly, you really get the feeling that that what he's saying, as, as funny as it is, is true. You know that that they do have that policy. I, I yeah, and I, I love how well. Uh, going to Felicia Day for a second, how well Felicia Day is fitting into the show. Oh, yeah. I, I, at first, I was worried, like I normally am, when I see a character come on to a show where I know the actor as someone else. Yeah. I'm like, oh, is this just going to be Codex on Eureka? Right. And no, it's like she's she fits so well into the series. You know, another like tiny thing I got to say that I love about Felicia Day, she makes me feel better and more accepting of myself being so fair-skinned because honestly (laughs) like i never realized how fair-skinned i really was until the last year or so um when i started to have like issues with like you know sun you know the doctor's like you need to wear a lot of sunscreen you need to be careful and this and that (laughs) and i turn the brightness on your iphone (laughs) (laughs) all right classic that is awesome yeah and and I always thought, I just, I always saw myself as being kind of medium toned, you know, I guess that because of where I grew up, but, uh, <laughs> I was comparing myself to dairy cows. What do you expect? But, um, <laughs> but you know, recently the last year or so I was like, oh my God, I'm like translucent. I am like freaking <laughs> Casper and there's nothing I can do about it because I have to stay out of the sun. And then, and then I see Felicia Day and she's so fair skin and so beautiful and awesome. I'm yeah. like, okay, it's not bad, you know? I'd be like Felicia Day. Boy, she is so inspirational, too. You know, everything you, you not only, uh, like, I remember when we talked to her for the Guild on GWC, and and I would venture to say that she was the most professional of anybody that we ever talked oh, to. She's one of those super hardworking professional people who's just, like, around the clock, always. She makes us all look bad, yeah. <laughs> she makes us want to be better. I yeah, think well, that's a better way of putting to, it. You know? yeah. yeah, same thing. You know, and yeah. she makes it look effortless, and then you you get like a little glimpse into her schedule and stuff like that, and you're like, "Holy, Holy crap. crap!" Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and and uh, yeah, I, I everybody who's ever wanted to do something creative, be it on the huge, awesome level of the kind of stuff she does, or even on the simple level of like doing some podcasts like we do, you know, it it just it's inspiring. She she makes you want to work harder at the things that matter to you. And that's, that's an awesome thing. How, I think that's a, that saying that about a person, that is a huge compliment to me, you know? I mean, it, yeah, you know, it's inspiring totally. and, uh, and it's great to see Will Wheaton on the program. He is again, of course, playing a douche, <laughs> he always which plays a douche. Yeah. I love Will Wheaton playing a douche. It's, <laughs> I just can't get enough of that. It's so funny, you know, it's like at some point someone has got to write this man a role where he gets to play a non-douche. Not that he's not. Well, there's got to be some room in between Wesley Crusher and, and douche. You know, there there has to be some room. Though you, I agree, he plays a great douche because as you, if you read his blog, it's because he works hard at, at doing the job well. He takes it really seriously and he, he shows up and... And, and puts the effort in, and it really sells on screen. I, I love, uh, he wrote a blog post recently about uh, about the episode that, that we saw uh, last week where uh, during, he was talking about that discussion with, uh, between, between uh, his character and Jack about the, uh, about the device that he had, the, that he collected. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what was it? The Heisenberg something or other? 
I, I feel bad. Oh, so um, the collector or whatever it was. Right. You know, the little thing that he had. Anyway, he, he was... Uh, Heisenberg Field Compensator or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah and they were like, uh, they were they were joking about it. And he, he was talking about how he and... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. He and, and, and his character and Henry were, were supposed to have this bit of dialogue about it that eventually got cut down quite a bit. But they had... Uh, uh, that they had thought about it a lot, and they were they were thinking about how they would think about it when they talked, and what they would, uh, uh, you know, their past ex- what their characters' past experiences would be about it, and uh, and and it's funny because even though not all of that ends up in the show, the little bit that does end up in the show carries a lot of the weight of that. Yeah, you know? yeah. I took a creative writing class a um, couple semesters, and uh, one of the things a professor was saying was that you should always do. Uh, character profiles like character sketches where you answer all the questions that anyone that anyone could ever have about that character and expect that a very small slice of it's going to actually show up in your writing but that it makes a huge difference because when you know as an author all of these things all the background of your character even if you don't say most of it if you know it, it comes through in the way that you motivate and move your character and the way that that person reacts and, and the way that you kind of, you know, um, situate him and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's this conveyance of there's kind of a confidence and the reader can pick up on that. Like they can tell that you're confident with who your character is and where that character is going and they can tell when you're not. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm always I'm always blown away by how collaborative an art television is, you know? I mean, and and unlike movies, there's so much volume of it, you know, that it's not a tweak it and tweak it and then there's your baby and it's done, you know? There's this ongoing process. Yeah, conference tables and sticky notes and conversations. uh, Of developing these stories and and then breathing life into them on the page and then taking that page... And 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 bringing it to life through individual characters, and then how those characters interact, and then how they're shot, and how it's edited, and how the music comes, you know, works out with it. And of course, you know, with Bear McCreary doing music for this, I mean, it's not surprising that it's incredible, right? I'm not sure how I missed that. I had no idea until like watching the most recent episode. I'm like, what? Oh, really? <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. And, and He's been doing it since what season two? Way back. Yeah, that's fantastic. He, he's fantastic, and and just all, but it, all of this art has to come together to make the magic that you feel. If you if you pull any part of this, it it doesn't reach that level, you know. And and so when you see something like Eureka that just really grabs you and sticks with you, and and that you enjoy when you're watching, and then you enjoy on a different level later, and then maybe even another level when you're thinking about the life lessons, you know, and how people. And like you said, looking at Grace and how she deals with, you know, with tough situations. Yeah, I can't help but be inspired by that. And, you know, it's those times when you're just driving or whatever and you're on the highway or sitting in traffic or something and your mind kind of wanders. And I think about things like that. Well, yeah, you know, I just we like, all do. I like wow, I, I'd like to be kind of like that. Or I remember seeing this in the episode and, and really being moved by it. Just the power that goes into making that, though, you know. Yeah, I was, you know, I was thinking about my favorite, going back to the question, what's your favorite Jack moment? Uh And I, you know, I don't know. I mean, the funny moments I love are all the moments where he gets roped into doing something really hard and crappy, (laughs) you know, like the one just comes down to him. There's that one where he, um, I think it's the one where the same episode where uh, Zoe's friend Pilar like hooks her up with all those joint things and, and Zoe's going to do the dive oh, yeah, at the no, pool. It, it was, yeah, absolutely. It was the uh, Sarah, I mean, not Sarah, the Martha episode. Oh right? yeah, sure. Uh, the first Martha episode. And uh, anyway, uh, Jack ends up with those things like hooked onto him at the end and he's trying to get this big thing done to like save the world at the end. And, and they're like controlling him, you know, and he's like making all these just really funny physical contortions yeah, and stuff and, yeah. and, you know, flopping in his legs and he can't, you know, he can't control himself. Like a young Chevy Chase. Yeah. And, and mm. I know that, I know that physical humor is kind of a really low, lowest common denominator, but I, I love those moments when Jack just gets roped into doing the crappy thing because he's such a good sport 
And it's so funny to just see him be like, oh, no, like every time his Jeep gets destroyed or. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Great running I love, gag. I love how in the uh, the last week's episode that apparently his Jeep is going to be indestructible at this point, and then it's just gone. <laughs> so it's not destroyed. It just disappears. <laughs> but I'm, I'm well, also... Most of everything came back down. <laughs> that was great when they show it like floating by the space station. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Tumbling along. It gets along. launched into orbit. Whoops. But I'm also with one that if I think about like what my real favorite moments are, they're the sentimental moments. Like when Zoe lands in the water and the thing shorts out and she, you know, she's in trouble and Jack just just dives into the water or probably the, the best example is the one where um, I'm trying to remember is they all are like turning to stone. You remember there's that um, high school teacher who's doing that excavation. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And they all start yeah. they all start turning to stone or whatever. And Zoe. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. Zoe's at GD, like in their critical care. And um, she's turning to stone. She, yeah, yeah. And she completely like her whole body gradually turns into and, and Jack stays with her just around the clock. Like those, I guess those are my favorite moments. You know, you know, along those same lines, the right during the change of timelines, when, uh, uh, you know, when he finally has uh, a life that is what he wants with Allison and then it reverts, you know, uh, that, that seems like a big deal. You know, that's oh, one yeah. of those moments. And, and then when, uh, when there's, when, when he has to deal with, uh, you know, with Allison getting uh, uh, getting married to uh, to Stark, right? Wasn't it? And and then he dies. Early on, yeah. Right. And and, uh, and and oh, was that the time loop one? Right. And he has to, you know, he has to. De- Jack has to deal with that. You know, those are moments too where I see that same kind of. Uh, Actually, uh, another one was when uh, Nathan Stark saves everybody by uh, connecting the something that you know undoes the plot device and he, there's that after image of his atoms that are there after the crisis is over and then it's just him smiling and then it fades away like oh, he just man. disintegrates yeah. that was like so intensely emotional and just so creepy yeah like bone chilling and, and it was like oh my god that's him he's dead and then he just fades away they do such a great job of that, you know, and, and they've got the perfect balance of it. That's true. That's true. I think that that's another reason why Beverly is kind of a pivotal character when she is around, because things could get really morbid without her like freakiness, you know, <laughs> like freaky deaky Beverly coming in and, and being all, you know, ha, 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 we're going to change the world. <laughs> and she's just so like over the top that she kind of. She well, brings, you need, she brings you the need comedy that back. person that is always the antagonist because, <laughs> you know, everybody that has any kind of, you know, like, you know, Zoe acting out or Zane being a no good Nick. I mean, everybody <laughs> winds up getting pulled into this family and she's like the one person who's like still like, screw all you. Yeah. Well, you know I what? love you can that. all go to hell. Oh, the, the one where she disappears when they're using that transporter device or whatever. She gets away like and then Beverly goes to Gitmo <laughs> of all things. And she comes back from like Guantanamo Bay after like six months. And she's still like just as fierce as ever. Like you know what, nothing, though? nothing tames her. Classic Eureka. Yeah. Uh, she may be the villain, but you understand why she's doing what she's doing. And she doesn't necessarily want to kill everybody or destroy everything. Yeah, she's not just mustache twirling. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, she thinks that yeah. she has a moral high ground. Well, and and you can see through the twisted timelines, you can see that uh, that you know she wants to carry on what her father thought was super important. Everybody you know? has a reason on the show for doing what they do. It's true, but I think it's not entirely altruistic. I mean, I think no. she she really enjoys being the one controlling Allison. I think she enjoys uh, messing with people. Yeah, I'm not saying she's like a super great person. I'm saying, unlike so many shows where we just had this person. Right, she's is, not just a stock villain. Yeah, she has quite a bit of background to her, you know? She does such a great job with that. 
Well, we could talk, I think, forever. Um, but I think I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but we should probably wrap up that this this first episode and and say that uh, we're looking forward to more in the coming weeks. You know, hopefully, we'll be able to discuss the episodes as they come out, and uh, and maybe we'll find some time for other things as well. If you would like to, uh, if you have something to say about Eureka, about the show, about the cancellation. Uh, or, or anything, give us a call. Uh, you can call us at 214-296-9229. Uh, that's 214-296-9229. We'll probably stick it in the intros and outros and everything as well. But um, And follow the instructions there, and you can leave us a, a voicemail, which we can include in a future podcast. And we would be very happy to do so. I I, I know a lot of you watch Eureka as well and, uh, and probably have more than a little bit to say about the cancellation and about what makes the show so special to you. Yeah, that's what I would love to hear is, you know, what brought people to the show and what made you kind of get hooked? Because for me, I think it was the the episode where they all get stuck in the house together. And I was like, (laughs) okay, I'm in. I'm in for good. I think for me, it was, and I'll have to think about this more. And thankfully, we'll have at least, uh, you, you know, at least six or eight months or maybe a year to, to think about it. But I I, uh, I think for me, it was it was Jack and the fact that, that you had this guy who who may not have the most training in science or may not be the most uh, uh, you know may not have a background in math or something, but the fact that he pays attention and that he applies himself makes him useful anyway, and in a way that's different than everyone else. And I, I think that kind of spoke to me and and the fact that you don't have to. It's not bad to be smart, but you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. To still to make be a valuable. big difference, yeah. yeah. There's a lot to be said for that. For, for for me, it was Henry and his just absolute love of what he does. Oh, I could totally see that. I love, yeah. That's what hooked me in the early seasons. He just gets that big, like you know, gape jawed smile, and he's like, "Yeah, exactly." And yeah, that, you know, that high pitched laugh and stuff. I still love it when he like throws back his head and laughs. Yes, <laughs> it seems yeah. so natural. You know, that's really cool. Well, we will be back uh, in the next week or so with you, and uh, maybe more often, maybe a little less as time goes on, but hopefully uh, we'll be able to, like I said, give uh, give the show a good send-off and maybe make a little bit of difference. Woot! Huzzah! From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.